Well, hi everybody and welcome to a very special Kings of Anglia podcast video cast as well. You can see who, the, who I'm joined by here on the video. Um, but it's a podcast um, that I hope you're going to enjoy listening. So we're joined by um, a player who, <coughs> well, in a very short space of time at Ipswich Town Football Club made a very big impression. There's no doubt about that. Um, 75 games, 27 goals, joined in 2000. And by the time he left, Ipswich had enjoyed two of the greatest seasons um, in recent history. Um, he led the Premiership goal-scoring charts for a while in his time here. And, um, well, it's just great that he's here. He played in total 660 games in the league. Um, and it's funny because when people talk about legends of teams, it's not often you would say a person who's only been there a couple of seasons would be classed as a legend. But this man made such an impression. He certainly was. It's Marcus Stewart. Marcus, great to uh, see you and listen to you. Um, how are you keeping? Hi, everyone. Uh, very good. Yeah, yeah. Steady away, you know. I'm pretty um, uh, got through COVID okay, you know, psychologically, family okay. So, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people that are worse off than I've been in during COVID. So, I'm pretty lucky, really. Um, now we're just getting through it, of course. So, everyone's looking forward to a new season in football. I'm personally looking for look, looking forward to a new season in rugby because my boys play rugby, so I'm going to. Oh. Go to them. Um, so, yeah, a lot of good things coming up over the next couple of months. The Euros, of course, the Champions League final. It's a lot of nice things. and not, not, Maybe holidays for people, who knows? Maybe somewhere different in Portugal. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a nice, some nice things to look forward to at the moment from, from, from everyone's point of view. I think, I think everyone's looking forward, forward to a new football season, hopefully with a bit of normality. Yeah, I think you're right there, Marcus. Very much so. I mean, I don't know about you, but do you, do you listen to football matches with the sound, with the crowd noise on or off? I, I keep it on, but I've got to have it on. Yeah, yeah. Have, even though when you have, there's a shot and there's a ten minute delay with the crowd, <laughs> the shot, but it's, you still need it on. I can't. You know, I'm used to watching training and taking training and having practice games behind closed doors, and it's soulless to be honest with you. So. Oh. Last thing I want to do is watch a game is uh, with no crowd. I think everyone, I think everyone in with the playoffs recently, um, starting of course, and obviously last week in the Premier League with crowds in the stadium just made it so much more atmosphere and um, a bit more exciting, really. Mm, could agree more. Always makes me smile. Always makes me laugh when um, when there's no crowd. When we don't have any crowd noise and somebody swears, the old F word comes out, and the poor old commentators on it straight. We apologise for any. And I sit there thinking, well, what do you? We don't. We're not bothered. We're watching. We understand. <laughs> there's some people that are bothered. And I don't get that. You know, <laughs> it, you know, it's a it's a sport, and you know, there's no no crowd. You're gonna hear things today. You probably hear yeah. worse crowd when the game's on. You know, <laughs> when they come back. You know, let alone the players. So. It's just part of the sport, you know. It's an emotional thing, and like I say the commentator shouldn't shouldn't have to apologise for stuff like that. No, okay. it gets crazy. We'll talk. Well, talk. Talk. It's, it's lovely to catch up with you, Marcus. And of course, um, we'll talk about um, so many things. Hopefully, in the next in the next forty five minutes to hour or so. Um, and of course, talking of, of commentators and media and stuff, Marcus, you're doing a bit more media now. We hear you here in um, in Ipswich on, on BBC Radio Suffolk. You do a little bit of commentate co commentating. Um, uh, you, you obviously enjoy it. Um, how did you get into? How did that come about then? Um, um, Brennan just called me, Brennan Woolley, and just said, "Do you fancy doing some? You know, we're down down your way. I'm, I'm not sure what game. I think it was Plymouth or or someone like that. Do you fancy come along and doing the game?" And um, it just went from there. Really, you know, I just said I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I love my opinion. I love I love talking about football. I try to break it down for people, so it's not just the normal cliches. You know, um, try and paint a picture if I can, um, and I like it. Yeah, um, obviously the season finished now. Couldn't do a lot 
towards the end of the season because COVID restrictions were even more tighter uh, with away games. So hopefully next year he invites me back. And off the back of that, I've done a bit for BBC Bristol as well um, with Bristol Rovers. So, so yeah, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it gets me going to games and it, uh, and it keeps me thinking about the games because, you know, it's really hard for me personally to watch a game and not try to break it down. You know, it's really hard for me to watch it as a fan and just enjoy it, enjoy the goals, enjoy the atmosphere. Um, I can't do that. I, I, I look for, I pick holes and um, that's just how it works. So it's quite nice to do it on a, 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 and actually tell people what I'm thinking at the time. And you're right. You say these things do lead to other things, don't they, Mark? As you said about, about you know, um, with BBC in, in Bristol. I mean, suddenly you get a few phone calls here and there. To, and it's great. And it keeps, keeps you in football, doesn't it? It's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's quite nice, you know. Um, it's, it gets me watching games when, um, when you know, a lot of people can't go to the games as well, and it gives me a, a, an opinion to to shout me opinion about and piece and people to listen to. I do try and break it down a bit if I can, uh, and paint a picture. That's what I try to do. Um, and, but at the moment, I've enjoyed it. But let's see what goes on with that next season. Uh, we've got another, obviously another month or two before it starts. You get the friendly games, of course, pre-season games. And see what happens then. But yeah, it's for, for the ch- the time during lockdown. It kind of it helped quite a lot, really. Now it'd be very amiss of me not to help out my non-league friends here um, at Berry Town Football Club because Berry Town, a good, good, great non-league club here. Well, lots of great non-league clubs here. And and you're going to be doing a, um, a night with Marcus Stewart at Berry Town at Ram Meadow, I believe, in the next month um, with. Uh, a- Ooh, I think it's J- July. July the first. July the first. I think. Hey, that yeah. Um, July the first. So uh, yeah, I'm going up to do that and um, come along. Just talk. Just have a chat. Uh, I'm open to anything. I'm pretty laid back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be a good night. Um, Kieran, I've done a couple with Kieran McGill a few times. Um, so yeah, it, it, I'm looking forward to it. It's a bit of a journey up, but you know, stay overnight and uh, come back the next day. So. I'm looking forward to going up there. I don't know how many people are going to be going there, if I'm honest, but um, more the merrier, really. It'll just be a relaxed evening, if I'm honest. I think there'll be quite a few. I think I'll be pretty sold out, Mark, as I would suggest, but I know you can still get tickets. Um, but, I mean, is this, is this something? I mean, have you, you say you've done a few. Do you, do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy just – you've always been a good good with fans, haven't you? You've always liked the fans and chatting. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty laid back, and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll chat with anyone about anything and – that's that's what type of nights I have, you know. I'm not I'm not there to to get drunk and be a, a, a lout, you know, like the old the, the old days um, <laughs> used to happen. Not myself, but you know, I can see, I can imagine back in the day, or even now, it might happen where you know people go to nights like that and just see it as a free drink and you know yeah. just fool themselves a bit. I'm there to just have a laugh, really, and, and chat yeah. about all times as honestly as I can. Um, some questions I might swerve, some I might answer. You might be surprised. <laughs> so when, right, so let's take you all the way back then. When you were a kid, did you think you'd be a pro footballer, Marcus? Uh, well, no one expected to be, um, but I knew I always liked football. You know, we used to play on our local green, turn up on a Sunday. One street would turn up with five or six players, age between five and 18. And we turn up same sort of age group and then we split the teams and then it was first to 20 and if it was over after about 10 minutes we'd do it again yeah now generally on a sunday and that's how it all started really and then boys clubs and then and then from boys clubs people start to notice you 
but then I, I so I went on from there really, and then obviously Bristol Rovers and Ipswich, Huddersfield. Um, it just goes from there. You don't. I don't think you know at the time. I think once you think you're good and you're scoring goals at whatever level, you kind of you're not in the system. You, you're just thinking about loving and enjoying football, like most kids do. Mm. And from there onwards, you know, it was. I'd never had my parents in my ear saying, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that, you, gotta, you can earn this money, you can earn that. That wasn't how it was. I was, yeah. I was pretty just played football. That was it. No one, no one told me in my ear what I could be, so I had no hype to believe, which is a lot, a lot of time these days. Mm. A lot of people are money orientated, and the football comes second. So if your football's good, your money's going to come with it. That's how it works. Um, so I was never, ever, never, ever thought about money. I just thought about loving football, and from that, that time onwards, it became a job, and then. Mm. But I still loved it, of course. So I was getting paid eventually for something that I loved doing anyway. Mm. Uh, I would have done at whatever level until the probably age I retired anyway at 38. So I was a lucky man. I just had a mm. talent. I had a left foot. And left-footed players are quite special, um, generally. I know there's right-footed players are as well, but left-footed players are technique-wise are pretty good. So I, was, I realised was, the older you get, that you, you have a left foot. Maradona had one. Uh, Messi's got one, you know. Beckham wishes he had one. <laughs> so yeah, I was pretty lucky, and uh, it just I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. I, I, dreams come true, and they did for me. Now, now tell tell me when you when you were a youngster, did you? Because I mean, obviously Ipswich Town. When you saw when you saw him for a couple of seasons, Marcus, but it seemed like a lifetime. It was so wonderful, great, great, great period of the club's history. And um, t- tell me, back in the day, did you just sort of dance around goalkeepers and, and things like do like sort of stuff you did? I mean, because you were just so composed and it was just looked so natural. Was it? I remember a time, and it's and I always reflect on this time. Um, and it was never talked to me. It was no one ever. Was, coached me into how to go around goalkeepers. But I remember when I was, you know, I was gone about when I used to play on the green with friends and stuff like that. I remember one game. I did it in that game. Um, and I was, I must have been, trying to think now, I must have been around about between seven and nine years old when I did it. Um, but I remember doing it at the time, going around the goalie. The goalie must have been about 18 years old. Went around, scored a goal, jumpers for goalposts, that kind of yeah, yeah. And that was it. But from that moment onwards, I've never—it's probably etched in my head that I scored in that situation. But I didn't—I didn't know what to assess before the goal. I just did it. Um, and I—I I, I suppose from that moment, it's kind of subconsciously in my head to do it when the time's right. Mm. For- most times I've done it, it's been the right time to do it. I've been quite a couple of times where I've tried to go around the goalkeeper, and he's, but generally it's worked for me. Um, and I, I don't know why, it's just an instinct that I don't think you can coach that sort of thing. No, it's an instinct. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. You just, you just, you just, well, being a very, very poor average midfield player, I never actually got the opportunity to attempt it. But I mean, you're right. I mean, players, I play, if you just watch it, you, you either naturally do it or you don't. But it was tremendous. It was tremendous to watch. So, so you, yeah, I suppose you were obviously at Bristol. And, and then I suppose, to be fair, quite a big break came at Huddersfield, really. I think Huddersfield, would you be fair to say, sort of gave you that, that's where you perhaps became far more prominent in, in the game, but at that level. Uh, well, I was it. 
well, Bristol Rovers were in League Division, got relegated from Division Division Two, which is a Championship now, uh, and then they're in Division One, which is now League One. Mm. Sorry, Division Three, which is Division League. Three. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was scoring goals for the previous two seasons. I was 22, 23 years old. Um, I just felt it was time to leave. You know, it was the, the end of the. I think it was Bosman time as well. I just kicked in, or it was close to kicking him. And from my point of view, I just wanted to leave and go somewhere else. Not because I didn't like Bristol Rovers. It was just time to move on, mm. see a bit of the country, um, not stay in my bubble in Bristol, which I could have done all my life, which mm. I see a lot of Bristolians do, ex ex players and players, um, and become a small fish in a big pond. And that's what I wanted to do. I've become mm. big fish. Big fish, small pond at Bristol. Time to move on, mm. uh, and it was the best thing I ever did. You know, I yeah, I don't look back, and I'm pretty easy with getting on with people, and pretty easy to get on with someone in different parts of the country. I, it didn't didn't affect me whatsoever. It was I embraced it, and you know, I mm. I didn't know what to expect. Don't get me wrong, mm. but looking back, it was every move was. To a different part of the country, whether it's Huddersfield, Ipswich, Sunderland, brilliant, loved it. Loved it's it. It's funny because because Huddersfield were right up there, weren't they, with Ipswich in the, in well, the championship? For a couple of seasons, you know, we struggled a bit. Uh, and the season I left, you know, we like I say, we, I think we were one one place above Ipswich, or it kept, yeah. kept changing after after every week. But we were both up there. Yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, that that. We all know the story. Some people might not, which I'll go into it in a minute if you want me to. But that was a strange time, yeah, because we, we like I say, for us to sell someone um, uh, on the back of that. And I wasn't, I was quite a good lad in the dress room. I had a good laugh. I got on with most people. So mm. I wasn't a bad egg. Um, so it, it baffles me to this day, really, why, why. They saw me, and I think it still baffles a few Huddersfield fans. If I'm honest, I think it does. And you've only got to read, you've only got to look back at that at that period. I mean, it's twenty odd years ago now. But you've got to look back at that period, and Huddersfield fans were left incandescent. I remember I was I was editor of the Greener, which we'll get onto in a minute, Marcus, because you did a fantastic column in the Greener. Um, and I remember uh, someone contacted me because. We had a letter come in saying why Ipswich Town spent all this money on Marcus Stewart. You know, what, what don't really know much about him. And people, we had a phone call from someone in Huddersfield who said, you've just signed yourself a 20-goal-a-year guaranteed man who will work his socks off, blah, blah. He, he couldn't be high enough praise. He said, you got it for an absolute steal. And, of course, Ipswich fans never really didn't know much about you, but, of course, that, that's went on to be the case. Yeah, I mean, I still get people in Huddersfield because I, I, I live up this way. Uh, yeah time to time, um, coming up to me now and speaking to me about it, you know, and it's yeah. still in their memories. Oh, God, I don't, what, I don't know what year it was. 99, was it? Or it was, yeah, well, 2000, the beginning yeah. of 2000, wasn't it? Yeah. So 21 years ago. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's still still quite clear in, the, in, in a lot of the Huddersfield Times fans' minds. Um, but like you say, off the back of it, time to go. And, and I look mm. back at that move, of course, and it, it was the right thing to do again. Oh, absolutely. And of course, you know, we, I mean, obviously the Ipswich years, I mean, it was, it was probably, I, I don't know how you how you rate them up there. I mean, they must be, I mean, you obviously went to Sunderland as well, but I mean, the Ipswich, again, I keep saying this, you're only here a couple of seasons, but it seemed like a lifetime. It was, so much happened, didn't it, in that, in that short well, I think period? 
half season. I think I joined in the January and then stayed to the end. I think it was two and a half seasons. Yeah. yeah. Two and a half. Oh. No, it might have been almost three because um, obviously we had the full, the half of the year in the Championship where we got promoted, then a full full year in the Premier League where we done really well, second year in the Premier League where we did do so well, but and then I was around for the pre-season after that for a little while. All uh, right. I left, I think, in the August of that mm. transfer, you know, last deadline day, I think it was, to Sunderland. So almost, almost three years, really. Yeah. Uh, two years and... Eight months from that, so yeah, I think the the shelf life of footballers isn't that long at clubs anyway. You know, you, you normally sign sign a three year contract or four, mm. and you might see that out. But generally, do you sign on for another three or four years? Yeah, yeah. the shelf life of a footballer at a football club is around about that time. And my history tells me that that was about my time as well. Apart from Bristol Rovers, I was at most clubs for three or four years, two yeah. or four. You know, Huddersfield, similar time, three years. Ipswich, three years. Um, Sunderland, three, back three. So it, it was that, that was kind of my shelf life. I, I was done and dusted after that. Yeah, but, I mean, at Ipswich Towns, we said, um, you scored some terrific goals, Marcus. I mean, can, I, mean well, I think I said something 27, but they all seem fantastic. Um, one, or two, one or two of the best? For me? Yeah. Um, oh, I think you always remember your debut goal away to Barnsley. Always, mm. always remember that. That's when I knew I could fit into the team because Jim Majilton had an eye for a pass to someone like me. Um, um, and of course, you know, you can forget the, the playoff game goals and the Wembley goals. Mm. Like to break them down into terms of which one do I like the both, which one is my best goal out of those. I would say they're all as important as each other. I would say the first and second goal at um, away to Bolton were, especially the first one. I know it was a, um, we were two 0 down at the time, and we were on the back foot. The momentum was, was with Bolton, and off the back of that goal, the momentum became with us. Mm. And I think we took that into the second leg a bit. Really, I mean, I, I missed a sitter in that game as well to get myself a hat trick to take us take it back to three two to back to Portman Road. But you know, but the most memorable game and, and, I, and I, was the, the second leg of that game <laughs> as a team and, and the drama in it, the sending off, the fouls, the last last minute goals, the penalties from Jamie Clapham, of course. It's just mm. had pure drama in it. You know, Jim Hilton scoring the only hat trick he's ever scored in his career <laughs> in the biggest game in the club's and his and mine, mine as a player history. Mm. Um, uh, not previous history for Ipswich, of course. No, no, but I know what you mean. Yeah, current. Yeah, yeah, when you. So it was just that game was the most dramatic I've ever played, and that's for sure. Um, but then Wembley brings its own type of pressures, doesn't it? You know. Mm. We went a goal down a game. We went a goal down or two in every game, two playoffs yeah. and the final. And we ended up winning them. So it shows the character yeah. we had in the team. And that came from team spirit, by the way. That's yeah. what um, George Boy is some brilliant lads as, as people as well. And we got on, we had some great times. And that kind of got us through and was that extra different um, percentages that. That got us through games. I think you know we were willing to stick for, to stick with each other, and so yeah, 
that 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 all all those three games for different reasons. Um, the Wembley goal, yeah, it, it was a good goal. It was a great cross. I knew what Jim was going to do, but I don't think it was as important as the ones at Bolton. Well, it's funny you should say that because um, I believe every every sort of April or whatever it, it falls on that that second that first leg game um, is still referred to as Marcus Stewart Day here yeah. in Ipswich because it was here on the same day. I'm like, oh, it's my day. Is it? Okay, <laughs> you see that as well. Yeah, it's well, that's Instagram. I'm not on anything like that, but I get the no, no. and he just send it on to me. So it's quite nice actually. Yeah, keep it going. I quite like it once a year. It reminds me of those times. <laughs> I, I can't see it ever being changed, Marcus, because it was extraordinary. Because the thing was, of course, Ipswich had been so close. You weren't there when they'd been so close for so long. I mean, I think that was the thing. Um, it was about the fourth attempt, I think. So this was this was a combination of, oh, here we go again, you know. Um, oh, my God, I don't believe it. Here we go again. For another time, we're going to get out 2-0 down. And then, bang. You know, going back to what you just said about getting so close, I remember playing for other teams and, you know, watching Ipswich... I don't know who was playing, but I'm watching Ipswich in those playoffs games and, you know, not not getting to the, the next level, which was the final, of course, and missing out on away goals, I think it was the season before. Or so. yeah. And they they binned them off for us, for our game, from our, for our playoffs. Um, so, so unfortunate. So, when I did sign, that was kind of, that was a big pull for me to, I actually thought I could make a difference to actually get up his, automatically because we had time to do that, or to take us to the next step and get, get us to the final. As it happened, we went another step again to win it. So, but I do remember, and I remember it vividly, thinking I could be the difference here, and I really backed myself to be that difference. Um, so, yeah, and even in the final, when we went a goal down, then right, you missed the penalty in a crucial time of the game. I still believe we, we, we'd win it. Even even when we play Bolton at home and Marco when he goes up front and nods down for Jim and scores his hat trick, even two minutes, three minutes before that, I still believed. I really did. Just, you just, I can't explain what how, but you just mm. know that it's your year. And I, yeah. I don't know how, you just do. And it mm. and it was, and it was. That team spirit, I think, as you mentioned earlier, Marcus. That's obviously that was obviously absolutely crucial, absolutely key um, to everything. Yeah, it was. Uh, no doubt about it. You know, I think team spirit has to be spot on. I think that comes with, with results. It comes with the type of character you bring in. You have to do your homework, recruitment. I know that because I've been involved in it as a coach since since a player. So, and I would say all the teams I've been successful at have had a great team spirit. Great team spirit. And, you know, I don't think you can, can create it like Back in the day, you know, we used to go out and be on maybe on a Tuesday, maybe on a Saturday. That was how you, you kind of bonded. I think these days it's changed a bit. Um, so, but I still, I still speak to people within the game, and we all, I always say, you know, the best teams that they were in and we were in and I was in. It kind of there's a pattern that, that it was all about, not all about team spirit, but that 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 got you through the tough times. Now, be honest. You can be honest with me now, Marcus, 20 years on. Mm. Had you ever heard of the Ipswich Greenan when you were asked to do a column in the Ipswich Greenan by myself or whoever was a club at the time? You must have heard of the Greenan. There, there was a paper in Bristol called the Greenan. Yes. So I've heard of the Greenan and that was it. 
you know, because it was the, it was a paper that used to come out almost almost straight away as soon as the results were finished. It came out straight yeah. away, and it was a green, and it was green. It was a green paper. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, when Ipswich asked me to do the, the con, I've heard of the green, but obviously, I've not heard of the Ipswich green because I'm not not from yeah. there. But I've heard of the green paper, yes, for sure. It was. I mean, we, we, sorry. To get news out quick to the public as soon as you can, mm. not wait till Monday, not read mm. the news of the world back in the day and the Sunday sub, whatever you read on the Sunday. It was there for you Saturday afternoon, straight as soon as the game finished. Now, of course, we had your column in there because you used to sit and do it with me sometimes. We used to sit and talk. And we ended up having an Ask Marcus Stewart email. We created one. And we had pages of these little questions. And you used to come in the office. I mean, those sort of things would just never go on today, would they? I mean, it was, it was a great credit to you and the football club, you know, that they trusted journalists and flyers to get along and chat and, and just and do stuff, which, of course, it was the fans who benefited because they loved seeing it all. Um, great. You know, things have changed so much on that front. Yeah, they do. I'm, I'm strange. As a as a player, as a player, um, I quite enjoyed doing that. But looking back, it was I had to give information on what was going on in training and stuff like that. You know, inside information. And I sometimes used to get a bit of stick off the lads because if Stewie, what is that for? you know, which is because some lads are private, some aren't. Some are on Instagram, some aren't. Some want to keep themselves to to themselves. Some aren't. Some people don't mind the information going out. Some aren't. So at the time, I just didn't care, really, if I'm honest with you. Um, but looking back now, I probably think I should, should, should have kept held back on one of two things. But no, I, I enjoyed it. And like you say, it kind of did help with our cause in, in getting promoted. It actually brought, instead of players having a good team spirit, there was a great team a spirit around the club. And if I helped to do that, I didn't consciously do it to do that, then bring. It probably did, really. Um because all news was positive and there was a bit of inside yeah. that, you know, you probably wouldn't get back then. Whereas now everyone knows everything because it's social media. So, yeah, I think it helped. And if I um, gave out a little bit more information than I should have done, chaps, if you're watching any of the ex-players, sorry. <laughs> I don't think, I can't remember anything too dramatic coming out, but anyway. Um, no, no, of course no that... it wasn't, you know, it was pretty lighthearted stuff. But yeah, good, it was. Good insight from, from, from the fans' point of view. I know the fans loved it, but uh, and of course that sees very quick before we move on to to, to further up to up your football and, uh, career and, and your future ahead. And of course, England was England the England call up, Marcus. You must have had this hundred thousand million times. You know how close you were to an England call up, and I know you were quite cool about it and quite relaxed. But you really were. You must have been close. You were just in the middle of some very good strikers at the time, weren't you? I was. Yeah, that that was that was that that, that that's just life, isn't it? You know, you can't. Do a lot about it now. If you look at you know look, look the England squad these days, look at the strikers they've got. Yeah, Patrick Bamford can't get a look in. You know, no. it's the timing of things. It's just how it is. Cycle of football. If you're around, um, like Patrick Bamford is at the moment, and he's got Calvert Lewin, Harry Kane, Danny Ings, all ahead of him. It's just unfortunate, you know. Mm. Uh, so no, I, I don't look back and regret that. It's the manager's got to make a decision. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm the most patriotic man in the world when it comes to English football. You know, I've got my flags up already, ready for the Euros, to be honest. Uh, I've even got um, some wing mirror socks that I've bought. So you, you haven't? Yeah, I haven't put them on yet, but they're going to go on. There's no doubt about that. Um, Brilliant. So I'm the most patriotic man in the world when it comes to that. 
So uh, to not get picked for England, yeah, of course it's disappointing. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hold grudges against people and be bitter and twisted about it. Ben had a decision to make, and I wasn't involved in that. It's not a personal decision against me. Um, it's a football decision, and there's other streak strikers that were, you know, regular European Cup players, and you know, live regular scores in the Premier League season in, season out. Your Robbie Fowler's, your Andrew Coles, your Teddy Sheringham's, mm. your Pierce. You know, so it is what it is. No regrets whatsoever. I did my best to try and get a call up, but it didn't happen. Now, have you had enough talking about the gloves, or should, should we move on from the gloves, or do you want? To... I get reminded of that all the time. It's great. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It was just bizarre. You all you wore was a pair of gloves. You'd think you were wore. I don't know what. If you wore them on your head or something, we might have off. But it's suddenly. I think Planet Blue, whatever it was called, there must have sold thousands of them. Well, I, it's strange because I, when I watch a football game now, you know, I say I analyse it and a bit differently than a fan would. I actually look around and see who's got gloves on with with a yes. team, with with um with a t-shirt with a sorry short sleeve shirt on, and there's quite a few, you know. So I'm wondering, has it caught on even now? You're so a pioneer. Players, so <laughs> no, but I did. did I, what did I do at the time? I did it because I hated wearing long sleeve shirts. Didn't like wearing them. Um. So the fact that I wore a pair of gloves. And I very rarely took a throw-in, by the way, because gloves don't help with throw-ins because they're quite slippery. So I very rarely took a throw-in. So it didn't affect that side of my game. Whereas if you're full-back, I think you've got to wear gloves. I think they brought gloves out eventually where they had a bit of grips on them so you could yeah. throw-in and wouldn't slip out your hands. So, uh, yeah, I just did it because to keep me a bit warm, you know, it's the honest truth. And then it caught on, as you, as you, as you know. Um, so yeah, uh, and the honest truth is, I haven't wore a pair of gloves with a t-shirt probably since those games. <laughs> walking around where I live, I haven't. So uh, yeah, I'd like to feel I'm like a t-shirt. I'm I remember we played Tottenham one Boxing Day. I think it was a Boxing Day morning or something, or, or around Christmas, and it was it was bloody freezing. And I think we beat them three 0 it, it was on TV, and you had your gloves on then. I think, and I, I thought that's yeah. Re, it, to be fair, you actually look, really looked the part then with that on that freezing cold day. Oh, I bet I did. Yeah, I bet I did. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, yeah. so obviously, dis, I mean, obviously, disappointment to leave Ipswich, and and um, you know things went went back. But I mean, moved to a massive club in Sunderland. Um, you know, they are a very big club, but still, of course, bizarrely, still in the same league as Ipswich in League One at the moment. You must you must look at that league and think, you know, known those two clubs so well and thinking, how? You know? Well, I mean, you look at Portsmouth as well. You know, mm. they're uh, I, I, I bet a lot of teams in that league, the likes of uh, Ipswich and uh, Portsmouth, for instance, just to name a couple, um, would have liked Sunderland to have gone up this year. You know, because they're going to be another force next year. You know, Lee, Lee done a great job with them and almost got them up automatically, but they tailed off at the end. So that league's going to be another tough, tough league next year. There's no give me in that league. You know, I think she Sheffield Wednesday down there as well. Yep. So you've got Sheffield Wednesday, you know, um, as well. You've got some massive teams in that league. So it's becoming tougher and tougher, you know. So, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, I can't call it. Okay, it's going to be a tough year for Ipswich. It's going to be a tough year for Portsmouth. You cannot call it. It's the honest yeah. truth. Um, 
you know, with the changes with Ipswich, the changes at Sunderland, of course, the changes, the manager change at Portsmouth, you just don't know which way it's going to go. And then again, you might get someone like Lincoln who's going to come up and do it again. Mm. Who's they don't know going to win the final. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, obviously, you know, obviously, you know, but Ips- Ipswich Town obviously had some big changes. Uh, new owners, new manager, Paul Cook is there. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, it's just a lot. How do you feel as a player? If you, if you, there's so much going on at Ipswich. Would you be excited? Would you be worried? Would you be hopeful? Would you be, you know, how how? There's a lot going on, isn't there? So much. Would that disturb you at all, or would you not worry about it? I'd be more worried about the managerial change, because that ultimately is what's going to affect you if it. If anything's going to affect you, the changes going on at the club, it's it's not on your mind, um, you know, unless your contract's coming up. But even then, it's up to the manager really to say to the owner, "I want this, keep this player, whatever." So unless you're not asking for silly money, you're going to stay at the club if the manager likes you. So the change, the change of a manager, all, always put me on a back foot. So Paul, Paul's had I don't know how many games it was, ten, twelve games to to look at what. So he had a good amount of time to look at the players that he probably wanted to keep on and get rid of. So when those when that when Paul came in ten games ago and I would have been a player there for instance, I would have that's what I would have been um concerned about if he would have wanted to keep me on or if he'd like me as a player, that kind of stuff. The changes at the club, you know, that don't affect me like you say, the new owners, it wouldn't have bothered me. Just life goes on. The manager is the one who I've got to impress. I mean, League One finance is obviously crucial. If, if I mean, if Ipswich do get the money, if, if Cook gets the money to be able to to put into big serious transfers, can you? I mean, can you get some seriously you know talented players in? Can you see Ipswich? They still haven't even been in the playoffs yet in in, the, in this league, bizarrely. I mean, listen, Paul's got a history of getting teams out of that league. Um, you know, your Wiggins, your Portsmouth, so big big teams out of that league as well. You know, teams that have been in the Premier League. And Ipswich is one of those, of course. So, time will tell. But I think it's still going to be a tough year for him and the club. I don't, I don't think you can expect things to happen overnight. Um, it depends what players he's bought. In. I, I don't. I haven't seen if he's bought any in or not. So, it's, excuse me because I'm, I don't look that that up. But he knows the league and he knows who to bring in. So, whoever he brings in, whether it's an unknown, whether it's someone who who's played 500 games, trust him because he's done it before and you've got to give him a chance. And I said this when um, the old manager was there as well. You know, you've got to give him a chance. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you've got to do with Paul. And that's simple and time will tell. But it ain't going to be no walkover in that league. I, I can tell you now, especially with Sunderland, Sunderland staying down, Sheffield Wednesday coming down, Lincoln, who knows what's going to happen, or one of those who doesn't win the final is going to stay yeah. down um, Portsmouth, of course. So Oxford are going to be in it again. Yeah, it ain't going to be an easy league. But Paul knows it, um, and he's been there before with a big club, so he's got he's got that experience. I know this sounds a bit bizarre, but um, and people might say, "What a strange club!" But it's not. Did you find it easier playing in the Premiership than you did back in the league in lower leagues? Uh, no, it, a game was a game, and no, it wasn't. You know because. We played, I think it was, we played in the FA Cup away from home. I think it was, was it Dagenham and Redbridge? We played in the FA Cup? Ipswich Town did, yeah. 
Yeah, was it Dagnum Redbridge who played? I think it wasn't Morecambe. No, it wasn't, we weren't there Morecambe, was it? It might have been Dagnum. Played Morecambe as well. Yeah. In that game. So you go to those games, and they're just as tough as playing the Premier League games. Mm. You know, they are. You know, we, you go to Birmingham. When we, played, we lost to Birmingham in the, in the yeah. League Cup semi-final. They were in the Championship at the time. We were in the Premier League. But they were as tough as it comes. You've got to approach it each, as you would any game. Um, of course, you've got the pull of playing against the bigger-name teams in the Premier League. But I'm telling you now, it's, they're just, just as tough. You know, you're at their home grounds. The weather's different. The pitches ain't brilliant. You've got to step up. You've got to, you've got to work out what type of game it's going to be. Is it going to be a battle? Is it going to be a footballing game? Or are you going to have to play on the counter-attack? So all these sorts of things, you have to definitely have to adjust your type of game you're going to play. Um, lower league teams are as tough as Premier League teams. There's no doubt about that. So, but, I mean, when the, the likes of Sunderland obviously not going up. The likes of Ports was not going up. Ipswich not going. I mean, these are also clubs that have got very big fan bases. I mean, you know, these they, they can make the, their their grounds rock a bit, for, for want of a better word. Do you think the lack of fans over the last couple, you know, has that aid? Is that that certainly hasn't helped? Clubs like Ipswich and Ports, or do you has it played into the hands of lower clubs or or not? Um, I think it's fifty fifty. I think mm. some players have enjoyed not having the pressure of fans around them, and I think those sort of players ain't going to last long in the game. The players that kick on love that sort of whether you're hearing negative stuff from the crowds. It builds build your character. If you've been on the two or three game bad run, you haven't scored a goal for five, six games and fans are starting to get on your back. It builds your character and it makes you a stronger person if you get through it. So I think some players have missed it. Some players have loved it. That's what I think. And you'll find out which ones those are next year, year when, the, when the crowds start coming back. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, look at Sunderland the other day, 10,000 home fans against Lincoln. They end up losing a game 2-1. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. with, well, I'm sorry. Uh, with a penalty miss as well, by the way, from Lincoln. So, you know, it can have the reverse effect. I really think it can do. Uh, so we'll see when it gets back. It'd be interesting to see the stats of last season with no fans in terms of how, how away games went. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously this year it's going to be back to normal again, hopefully. Because I must admit, I mean, I don't know about a game, but you, I sit and watch some games on, on telly, obviously with no fans. And... The, the, this is just me. This, the passion seems to have been so much less. And, and soon as I think, like the FA Cup, might be the FA Cup final. It suddenly seemed to completely different game. Suddenly, because there was a lot of fans, the, the players just—it just seemed a different game. Well, there's, there's 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 no feed for the emotion, is there? No, the emotional game. There's no feed from the fans to get people emotional. You know, and you have, that's why you have to step up yourself and you know emo- motivate yourself in some sort of way. So. I think you get a feel of the game. Fans get a feel of the game, you know, and whether it's, it's get a bit of a niggly one and they're getting on one or two people's back, getting on, on the referee's back. They're, you know, one player might be annoying the fans and they're getting onto his back, you know, I mean, of the opposition player, I mean. So they create the emotion within the stadium, I think. And it's hard to recreate that as a player when there's no fans in there. You, can, you, can, you kind of feed off each other, I think. Um, and it's been hard to gauge when there's an emotional moment in games with no fans there. I think with fans there, you know you know instantly when there's been a bad foul. You know instantly when there's been a goal. You know instantly when referees made a bad decision because they're they're there. They let you know straight away. Oh, you know, that that pricks the hairs upon your back as a player and 
it creates an emotion within you. So I think players have missed that side of it. That's for sure. I know I would. But like I said, a lot of players want to hide behind the fact that they don't want any pressure on them as well. And some players love it, like I did. Now, how would how how would you how would you have loved VAR, Marcus? Oh shit, sugar. Sorry, um, well, <laughs> it gives me nightmares. I watch it. I'm looking at the other night, the Man United goal, for, for instance, the other night. Yeah. Um, is he offside? Is he not? And, and I'm thinking, I, try, I was trying to put myself in Cavani's shoes. I'm just picking at this moment because it's the most recent game. Yeah. Um, you know, you can see him, he's not celebrating. You can see when he, the goal was given, he's just giving it, give it one of them. Because, uh, I don't know. I think it's the right thing to do. I think VAR is, has been right more than it has wrong. Okay? And I like it. But in terms of from a striker's point of view, a goal scoring point of view, oh, I don't know. It just it would it would torment me for torment me for five minutes. I don't, and I'm just it'd be wonder it'd be wonder I wonder if we look back and did VAR on my old goals, how many <laughs> offside, and or ones that I've had disallowed that should have been onside as well. So it swings and roundabouts. Be interesting to to do that one day because unfortunately they're, they're on the list and not going to be clocked off. But yeah. yeah. I think it's good, but it's definitely um, causes a lot of anxiety to the player that scored a goal or the team or the manager that scored a goal waiting for a decision to be made. Well, that'd be terrible, Marcus, if we went back on the week. Could you imagine if we're sitting in three years' time doing another oh. one? I say, Marcus Stewart played 75 games for Ipswich and scored four goals. So let's look at our goals <laughs> in the playoffs. The first one would have been a goal because I didn't handball it. Uh, you know, the Bolton goal. Yeah. The second one was onside, definitely, because I've looked across the line, so I've seen it's definitely onside. Uh, the, th the one in the final would have been a goal as well. Yeah. But, because knowing you're outside, good cross. And Bam Bam's would have been a goal because I flicked on for him and he ran through the defence. So, yeah. But, you know, you, you can look at things like that now, bloody hell, what, what if, the, you know, yes. the goals, I don't know. Would, would it have been a free kick for, the, what's his name, Holdsworth's first goal in the second leg? I don't know. VAR might have tell you different. It'd be great to go back in VAR and say VAR decisions. You actually wouldn't have gone through on this. That's very. That is that is very true. I mean, could you imagine going back on something, a major final, and just saying, "Well, you do realise that two of those goals are offside." Yeah, it'd be bizarre, wouldn't it? Imagine even taking one step further, and he actually took the medal away from him and promoted Bolton. That actually now one league. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that'd be. so so. There's your, fo your football. Your football career was was a terrific thing, Marcus. So we all loved it and 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 stuff. And uh, of course, you went into you've, you've gone into coaching and management. Um, you, you said you take the year out right now, but uh, something you're hoping to get back into. Um, or are you are you quite are you quite enjoying the media stuff, Marcus? You have to make a decision, perhaps. I enjoy I enjoy all of it. I enjoyed the coaching. I enjoyed, I enjoyed being on the grass. I, I did, uh, love that, of course. Uh, I enjoyed the media stuff. Um, I, what I do enjoy the most is, you know, l watching players learn, and especially younger younger players. You know, when they've got a chance and they look at you like little puppies and they want to learn. You know, I I love that kind of feeling and that they want to know more. Whether they whether they ask you questions, I want people to ask me questions. If I haven't got an answer for you, I try and get one. Um, yeah, I, I love being in that environment. Of course, that's what I'm used to. Uh, media, of course, it's just. I enjoy doing it. It's not something I, I'm going to do every week. I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't want to do it every week, if I'm honest. But 
two three one, once two three times a month great love, love, i enjoy doing it in terms of getting back into both of them uh, football yeah i'm still i guess I just said to you really on my, my I, i've got two boys that play rugby uh and i've not been able to watch them play rugby in the last year because what's happened that was a part of the reason why i wanted a bit of a break so i can go and watch them play on saturdays um but you know their their season is starting up now so i get a, i get an opportunity to go and watch that for instance got grandparents that are poorly so i need to be around for those um and help out with the family so all these sorts of things are still got going on yeah but if the right thing come up for sure I, i'd do it but you know first things first and family first still at this moment because even though it's a year ago i've not had a job for which is my choice of course um these all everything's been put up, put back a year anyway exactly so yeah uh, but i'm enjoying I, i'm busy with life stuff that's why i am that's funny you say that rogue because my son played rugby um as well and of course we've got this this great um argument about rugby refs and football refs um mm. and the difference in the, the, there is a difference isn't there in the way in the way the games are handled marcus yeah there is i mean I, I i like the rugby refs if i'm honest here even when watching the international games you know england or wherever it is or or or, or the club games bristol bath wherever i watch i don't watch it all the time but sometimes i'll put i'll put them on if it's an england game of course it's going on <laughs> with with me england's um socks on your wing mirror socks on your wing mirror of course yeah um so it's going on uh and i i, I do it i like i like their mannerisms and i like the way they talk and i like the way I, you know they kind of chat with the player and they they actually explain the decision why they've done it and they break it down for the player um and there's no very rarely is there any contesting the referee's decision um you know so I don't think it'll ever change in football. I think that's that's how, how it would be. All I'd like to be is the referees. If, you know, obviously they haven't got the microphones on in football, so you can't really hear them either. You know, whereas in rugby you, you can hear what they're saying on the TV. But I'd like to think the referees I liked were the ones that come over and explain to me. The ones I hated, not hated, that's a strong word, but when I did, the ones I detest were the ones that would just walk away and not even talk to you, not even give you an eye. And that happened quite a lot with, him, with the games I played. Mm. I build a relationship with them from the player's point of view and the referee. Just be normal. Like I'm chatting to you now, mm. just go up to me and say, Marcus, listen, I gave, I gave the foul, but I didn't think it was one. I'll have a look at you, but I thought, I thought he just caught, you just caught the back of his leg. Okay, thanks for letting me know. I don't agree with you, but you know, I'll walk off. Mm. So... I don't, I don't, I don't know if that happens a lot. I don't know if it happens a lot. On the flip side of it, I also don't know if the players give the referee chances to do that because they're in his face so quickly, and he's got to get, book people because he's on a defensive straight away. So I think both are at fault because referees, I think, need to explain to players more um, clearly why they've made decisions. VAR does that now for them a lot. Um, but also players can help themselves by not being so aggressive in their manner when they got to the referee because straight away he's going to be on the back foot and um eventually might even get decisions against you in the in, in, within the game in the future of the game you know in the last 20 minutes or whatever so i always like to keep referees on my side because even as a coach I did because 
you know, if there's if you've if if you've been on him from the sidelines for I don't know however long, uh, uh, from decisions he's made previously in the game, who's to say that in the in in, in the last twenty minutes there's a decision that's gone fifty fifty, and it goes down to the fact that you've actually treated him wrong. You don't know this, of course, but in his mind he's thinking actually that coach has been all right. He's been a bit of a bit of a nausea, everyone. So I want to give fifty. I want to give it to him. So you, you've got to be careful referees because it can come down to those situations they're not going to tell you that, that happens but i'm sure it w- i'm sure it does go through their mind when it comes to a decision they're not sure about well look that's absolutely right i think i think as you say the referee that would be a debate with rugby and football forever and a day but um well we're coming we're coming not too far short to the end now mark of, of what's been a lovely chat with yourself and catching up on hey i mean i know you've done lots of podcasts and chats and videos and stuff over the years again as i say again just shows especially here at ipswich you're you're the you know the the, the the mark you made in, in in such a short period of time it was it's fantastic um, but let's look let's look forward to the summer because we've got the Euros coming up as you said you're a big Euro a big England fan well we all are big England fans so I don't quite go as far as uh, socks on my wing mirrors but I am certainly as very patriotic um, your thoughts then Marcus um, you're seen the squad probably um, there's obviously going to be whittled down but being it being in the home country as well your thoughts my thoughts I think Harry Maguire is key to our success. I think if he's, he's well, we've got two weeks, two weeks Sunday to the first game. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. I can't see him being fit. I really can't. Even if he is fit, he's not football fit. You know, he's got to get up to speed. So I think he needs to be training next week. What's the day? So I think he needs to be training by the end of next week or the beginning of the week after, which is leading up to the Croatia game. That's what I think on the Sunday, and then obviously we got a game on the Friday after, and then the Tuesday after that. Um, so he's key. I think. What did he do without him? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. He's got a few centre halves, of course, but I'm, but I'm really excited about our forward players we've got here in in the team. Really excites me. Dominic Carver Lewis Lewin's come on leaps and bounds over the past season, uh, season and a half. Um, Harry Kane, of course. You know our attacking our attacking lineups brilliant. I mean, he has to decide. What I think there'll be one or two players. You know, maybe Jaden Sancho. Um, uh, maybe Greenwood. That might miss out. And you yeah. think, like I said before, it's about the timing. They've just got. There's just how can you leave Foden out? St- you know, you got Rashford, Sterling. I mean, Mason Mount is the best number 10 in the country at the moment, I think. He's just got energy about him with and without the ball. I'm excited about that. I think there's goals in us. But, um, you know, I think I think Harry Maguire, in terms of keeping a, keeping the back door shut and a bit of calmness on the ball and a bit of a man-mounting in terms of size of him, attacking corners, defending corners, I think he's key. Um, to our and Jordan Henderson a bit, but he's key to our um, our success. And we need luck, of course. You need luck along the way with the penalty shoot. You're going to get a penalty shootout. Stats tells you that on the way to a final, you're going to get a penalty shootout. So you need you need a bit of luck. And let's hope David De Gea's in goal for Spain. Talking of goalkeepers, actually. Um... Uh, Marcus, uh, yeah, and you're going to Berry. We mentioned Berry going to Berry Football Club later, later next month. Uh, Nick Pope. Now, Nick Pope, um, of course, is missing out. Um, he was actually a, a played for Berry Town. Um, that who, who you'll be going over. 
yes, he was at Berry Town before he moved on into the pro game. So um, great stories with Nick. So, um, and here in Suffolk, we're so disappointed for him because he's just he's gone from this non-league level to the top, and he's such a nice top guy. Always got time for the press and, th- and just just feel a bit disappointed for him. He must he must be a bit gutted. Heartbreaking. I mean, I couldn't. You know, from from my point of view, you know, from not being picked. Okay, fair enough. But from being picked and then that's been taken away from you from injury, yeah, it would have been a guaranteed number one, number two, yeah, to, to Pickford and Henderson. That that would have been the free Henderson, Pickford, Pope. An injury taking taking your dream away from you, you know, which comes around every two years. Luckily, we've got a World Cup next year, which is going to be really strange. A summer of Euros and then a summer of the World Cup. Mm. Um, so luckily, he's got that. But still. You know, from his point of view, injury out of the out of the Euros. Harry Maguire done brilliant season. Three weeks to go, four weeks to go. Injury maybe out of the Euros. Henderson unfortunately might be coming back. That must be the worst feeling. I've never been in that situation, um, but that must be the worst feeling for a professional footballer to miss out on your national team playing in a major tournament. Heartbreaking. I feel for the guy, but luckily he's had time to get over it because. It's not as if it just happened and he was in the squad. He's, he's probably known about this operation for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Very, very unusual for a goalie to get injured um, at such crew. Well, in any, in any point, really, goalies don't usually um, suffer too lucky too much with injury. No, a knee injury as well, which is strange. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, yeah. But I wish him luck and I'm, I, I do feel for him. And right backs, just while well, we keep just finishing off in the English, I mean, right backs, we've got a plethora of right backs, Walker. Oh, um, I think I think my team would be if it if it was the game was tomorrow, it would be uh, if Maguire's fit, it would be the right side of um, it'd be the left side of sorry Maguire and uh, and Shaw because they play for Man United. It'd be the right side of Walker and Stones because they play for Man City, and Shaw and Maguire and Stones grew up as kids together playing similar football, similar teams, similar area. So they know each other really well. And that's a great little mix. You've got your, you've got your little connections on either side and you've got your connection in the middle. In front of them, depending on how attacking you wanted to go, I'd definitely play Henderson at some point. And I met, you know what? I really like Jude Benning. I think he has to be in the squad. Yeah. yeah. Because I haven't seen him play before, but when I watched him play against, uh, I think it was Man City in the Champions League, He's a box-to-box player. He, he, he gets in the box and creates himself chances, a bit like Matty Holland used to do. Mm. You know, you sneak up and get your goal. And we haven't got that in our team, really. We've got Mason Mike that can do that, but he he plays a bit further ahead. And you're always, yeah. you know? Whereas a, a long-bursting midfield player that wants to run into the box, well, I don't think we've got anyone else like him. You know, they're either holding midfield players of your, um, uh, of your Henderson and your... Yeah, uh, not Dyer, of course. Um, Rice, they that's their jobs, and then you got your yeah. attack players with um, Mount and whoever else he wants to put in there. But you haven't got a box to box natural one like like him. So it'd be interesting. I think I think he should be in the squad, and I think he'd get his chance. And I think he I think he's he's one for the future. So it'd be Henderson, I think, and um, Rice if he's going to play two sitting midfield players. And Mount's ahead of him, along with Harry Kane, Foden on the left, and I think I don't I don't know I'm not sure I put on the right because Rashford's not good on the right, and neither is 
neither is Sterling. They both like to play off the left. So I'm a bit torn with that one. Uh, but that's for Gareth Southgate to sort out, isn't it? It's quite nice sitting on the armchair to have a chat about it. You know, he's under big pressure now. He's got a big decision to make next Tuesday, hasn't he? Because yeah. he's then got to have a squad of 26 if he wants 26. You know, he doesn't. I don't think he has to pick 26, does he? I don't think so, because Spain picked, Spain picked 24 or something. I don't think he has to pick 26. What surprised me if he'd done that, you know? Because it's already the harmony within the team and keeping players happy, yeah. um, which I'm sure it will be. It'd be a great experience. Um, but he's got to manage those players and keep them fit and keep them motivated. So looking but, forward to the Euros. You're looking forward to the Euros then, Marcus? Yeah, who wouldn't be motivated being, you know, just being in the England team and being <laughs> what wanting to be, you know, if, if you're someone like uh, uh, White from Brighton, you didn't even expect to call up in the first place. Yeah, I think you'd just be happy now being number 26 player just to get the experience and being a, in a part of it. So I don't think you'll have to worry about keeping him happy. No, so it depends no. how the player kind of looks at it. Um, and no, I'm not looking for the Euros. Can you, not, can you tell? I'm not for, looking for <laughs> Well, anyone who's got their socks for the wing mirrors is right up there ready to go. I, I can't imagine what else paraphernalia you've got. I might even buy a copy of the match and get myself a war chart. Well, who doesn't have, well, who doesn't have a wall chart? I mean, it's ridiculous. Marcus, look, it's been fantastic catching up with you. You're always a delight to talk to. And I know the people at Berry, uh, Berry Football Club are going to delightful. Uh, looking forward to seeing you in, in July. Um, so if you haven't got um, if you have, if you want to see Marcus in the person rather than listen to him or seeing him here, he's at Berry, um, Berry Town Football Club uh, in July. So look on their website for that. That's uh, the, 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 uh, the Isthmian League team here in Suffolk. Marcus. Thanks for all the uh, thanks for the chat again. You're always great to catch up with. Um, great memories and great future ahead of you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Good luck next season to the town. I'll be there at some point. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. More great podcasts from Archon. Head to audioboom.com/channel/archon.